Listener discretion is advised. This episode may contain things that the listener may find offensive or objectionable. During this episode, we paraphrase somebody who describes somebody else's concern about somebody else possibly being offended. Although we always beep out our uses of the so-called seven dirty words, we did not beep this certain word out. This word can be highly offensive. If you think you or others exposed to this episode might get offended by certain words, especially racial slurs, regardless of the intent of their use, then we seriously suggest you stop listening right now. Mahintaj, Afat, Shahpar, Mahvash, Parivash, Chibatkar, Malatkar. In this episode, we tackle a question by yet another anonymous person. This other anonymous person asks, You say f- and you censor it all the time. It's stupid. Why would you do that? Do you have to f- in Iran? Welcome to Ask an Iranian. I'm your host, David, and I'm here with my co-host, Mohammed. Hello, I'm Mohammed. Our aim is to get answers to your questions about Iran and Iranian culture, or at least find somebody who can. Yes, but we also can get you the Iranian take on things, such as which one of God's creatures is the most noble one? The dog, the dolphin, the penguin, or maybe the human? In this episode, Shanai joins us once again to help disrupt our echo chamber. Shanai is half Iranian, half Austrian, and has moved to Iran to pursue a restoration project. And apparently in protest against white privilege. (laughs) During our discussion, we talk about how Iranians censor themselves and others around them. We also give our personal experiences of restrictions in Iranian media. So, let's get on with the show. Let's get on with the show. I feel like this is Mohammed's version of foreplay, what he's doing right now, actually. Oh, so, Mohammed, look who's back. (laughs) That's exactly the reaction I was hoping for. (laughs) Welcome back, Shanai. Thank you, darling. How have you been? Are you dying? Uh, Well, we are all dying, so, Mm. yes. Shanai, it's great to have you back. We haven't been speaking behind your back on any of the episodes. No. At all. Well, I have been diligently listening to all of them that's why we can talk behind your back (laughs) (laughs) but we have been noting your uh, interactions with us on social media thank you for the input oh it's great to know your the meaning of your name now (laughs) you didn't know the turkish was it moon bright moon what no it's turkish for mean bitch (laughs) <laughs> Come God, on. That so aptly describes you, I Shanai, know. right? My mother so your knew parents knew doing. all along they knew and all along. yet still had to have you. <laughs> what? Oh, <God. laughs> I think it was post-having. It was, yeah, I, I was, was named post-having? post-birth. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so we get to subject matter, hard-hitting subject matter, like censorship? Self. Censorship of self. Of self. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do you censor yourself, Shanae? Yes, of course. Yes, because you don't have Tourette's. So, uh, you know. Well, I I censor myself surprisingly little um, in terms of, like, using profanity-laced language. Mm. Mm. No, I... um, I do. I have different modes. It's very interesting. It's like I switch, like almost like switching between languages. Mm-hmm. I have the f- mode and then I have the super polite mode. 
Okay. Like I would never swear in front of like elders or in front of people I'm, you know, not very um, familiar with. Shanai, do you think that that is different for you in Iran and outside of Iran? Yeah, definitely. How so? Well, I think it's much more acceptable to use certain words in the English language or even in the German language. You would never use them in Farsi. Mm-hmm. Like I think cursing is much more common. Like, you know, just like you add it to everything in English. Maybe it's because of your first language here. I wouldn't say you have a first language. You've got several first languages. I can say a lot of stuff in Persian that I know I wouldn't say in English. I think I'm a lot sweeter in a loving capacity uh, in Persian. I'm more relaxed saying endearing words in Persian. I would never use those in English. What what endearing words? Things like darling, dear. Ca- I casually David, use David them. was just not loved as a child. It seems. Still not loved yeah. <laughs> as an adult. Not, not, no. <laughs> I would call you so, darling, but I don't love you enough to say <laughs> See? See? That's it. See? Um, what is censorship? Hmm. You know? And I think if we want to define it along those lines, censorship is basically pretending that something is not there or pretending that something doesn't exist, you know, mm-hmm. whether that something is foul language, whether that something is boobs, whether that something is sex. Mm. It's basically, and it's it's very interesting. Like if you look at what what is the aim of censorship? Mm. I thought about this a lot because yeah. obviously, you know, we uh, living in Iran, there's quite a lot of censorship. And I often think about this and it's like, okay, if when you, when you remove, like you know like skin when you remove naked skin from an image do you what what what's your aim like if a let's say if a 10 year old child walks through a magazine store and uh, sees a woman who was wearing like a shoulderless dress and her shoulder is like paint like markered <laughs> over <laughs> you know <laughs> like does that do do they want like does the person who did that do they want the child to not know that like naked shoulders exist or do they just want the child to understand that it's not okay to show you show your shoulders you know because obviously everyone knows that you know like everyone i think after a certain age you know you can't keep things from people everyone knows that curse words exists Mm. they just know that they're not supposed to use them yeah and that in itself creates a barrier yeah And I think the aim at the end of the day is that barrier. And it's completely irrelevant whether it's Iran, whether it's the UK, whether it's the US. It's kind of like, what does society uh, allow to be normal, to be common for everyone? Mm. And that's where the difference is. Because like, you know, like, I don't know, nipples in the US, terrible. But like nipples in in Europe, completely fine, even for small children. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think that's where you need to kind of go. And that's where that's where self-censorship kind of implies the same. Yeah. There's something that is there, but in a certain audience, you want to pretend that it's not. Yeah. Or you feel like you have to pretend that it's not. I think perversely enough, and I'm sure you'll agree, when you add the censorship to stuff, it becomes the Streisand effect. You you imply the shoulder in, in the packaging that mm-hmm. you're saying. I mean, <clears throat> most people would probably not even look twice mm-hmm. at that. But then you cover it up and it's like, mm, sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. You create the taboos. You know, when you create the issue. Yeah. And that's that's where you go. Well, what's the what's the aim here? Am I trying to get men to not look at women? It's like, well, no, because if you cover up completely 
you know, like that one centimeter of your ankles is going to be the sexiest thing ever. Yeah. You know, um, if you don't, then eventually it's going to, you know, even your completely naked body is going to be just numb. Yeah. Know? So I agree with you. Yeah, I guess those things are not so easy to sort of pop out of necessarily. I think in a lot of cases, censorship is completely unnecessary. And, and as I say, I think kind of creates the problem, doesn't solve uh, the problem. Again, you make good points about intention, but uh, my experiences of being in Germany, it used to weird me out that in the park, families would be naked playing frisbee in the park. If you go to a nude park or a nude beach in Europe, there is not more or less sexuality than in the Tehran Bazaar, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, you know, a bunch of people hanging out naked. Nobody cares whether, or like, whereas here, everyone's dressed up, but you walk straight down the line. You get yeah. you get more, like, you know, like, catcalls from yeah. from people here than you would on a nude beach. So. Yeah, it's, uh, Muhammad, you probably, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Instagram. It has a hashtag about nipples because you will get nipples taken off of, yeah instagram mm -hmm. but like where's the line and so people are sort of like yeah where is it and sometimes i see like in posts it's just incidentally there in like a fashion uh photography thing mm -hmm. it's just clothing but the nipple just so happens to be out mm -hmm. and also like you know when is it a man and a woman that's always for me really bizarre like mm -hmm. you see a nipple up close like okay if if you say that's a woman's nipple censored if you say it's a man's nipple it's fine but i think for me the funniest thing is always like you always whenever you see this kind of censorship whether it's on instagram whether it's on magazines with black marker like mm. i always imagine that poor who like is sitting somewhere in a room and it's just like going through pictures and be like no that nipple's out that nipple's in you know like no this leg must be like That's in iran there is a uh, place for specifically that i work in advertising and uh, the airshot there's a department for it yeah, yeah they have to check the uh content and of course actually i had one uh for an underarm deodorant uh, mm -hmm. spray and um uh, the 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 rejection reasons would change each time we would resubmit the artwork. And it's really bizarre. And it's two women, uh, supposedly. I didn't interact with them myself personally, but the media uh, people would come back with the feedback from them. Curvature of the side of the body was a big issue. But hang on, was it was the body clad or was it? Was it was with clothing, yeah. Oh. In the body that we had on the artwork, you could not really tell with... It was a human body, seemingly. It was uh, <laughs> the arm was like up. A, a I mean, giraffe and like lifting. And it, if we'd have, yeah, if we'd have just made the colors of the billboard like blue and said it was for men, everything would have been fine. Yeah. But uh, but like it was pink and purple, and therefore and the woman's up. We we kept resubmitting the artwork, and they like reduced the curve. I'm like, tell me how much to reduce, and I resubmitted it, rejected, 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 till it was like almost flat, and it's like that's fine. You can go ahead with that. And then it got censored for another reason because it had the uh, a icon of a pig and a sort of waves coming off of it as if to say, like, uh, like you're going to smell like a pig. And that was like, what, what did you? I, I'm curious. What did you settle on? It got taken down eventually. We couldn't use it. If I'm not mistaken, it went out for a week and the wording uh, was the uh, issue here. Oh, Being so it was not the department of how much is skin and curvature? No, I'm, I'm there. Some I wish other there department. Is. There is. Actually, it reminded me. There's, and we did another campaign as well for a soap, and we needed to adapt the wording from the international campaign, which was "Tempt them with your delicious soft skin," and we sent, we translated it, and and 
sent it and then they get like you can't use the word tempt delicious soft or skin <laughs> it's like okay them <laughs> like, <laughs> your them your <laughs> so uh yeah so when i uh when i describe the work that i do to people in other nations they assume it's a lot worse than it actually is yeah. or at least or they think it's like something that we really concentrate a lot about and it's it's so second nature to me now it's you just don't even think about it. you know the self-censorship because you what, what happens is you try and preemptively figure out what they're going to yeah, say yeah. and step two steps backwards from that line mm -hmm. to know to not even get to the point of having that headache yeah yeah. You know? Well, the thing is that whenever you're sending something to uh, some sort of an editorial, you have to leave something for them to complain about. In yeah, they need to do something. So you have to put something in there that's like... Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shana, you mentioned so next time, actually, just put a photo of a woman with a bikini. They're going to be happy with the curved line. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, but uh, it's funny because it, like, imagine what you're doing is you're creating... I'm going to call them bureaucrats that have like their sole job is to imagine the, the like the dirtiest thing that someone can interpret from something God, and that they, they really one. do that as well they really go like what could this possibly be misconstrued as yeah and we've had rejections for the weird like how would anyone even get close to thinking that is just the other side of it is they need to understand what the society thinks about these stuff because each of us separately live in our own bubbles. We don't actually deal with people from like Gold Paigan. Or mm -hmm. you live in Kashan partly. Yeah. So you know that people there think differently that, than people in mm -hmm. Tehran. Yeah, but I also, I, I think the more freedom you give people, the less they're going to get obsessed with certain things, you know. And I mean, it, this is not, it's, it, I think this has nothing to do with Iran, you know. Like, I think this... This fear of, oh, but if we show, you know, the curve under the arm, then what's next mm. is the same fear that you have when you go like, oh, but if we allow, I don't know, like gay marriage, then what's next? And then what's going to happen to our children? And then, you know, it's that same kind of like uh, hyperbole and this kind of like absolute panic of I think at the end of the day, psychologically, it's about losing control. You know, and yeah. it's really that fear. It's just about control. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's part of the case. I'm, I'm trying to think now. Like, ha is it the opposite? Because um, billboard advertising has sort of uh, evolved or adapted uh, throughout mm -hmm. the years. Where now, like, there used to be a moment where, like, you couldn't really have a woman on a billboard. Um, mm -hmm. Then it was like a woman's fine, but she can never smile. Mm. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, tell me if you've. Seen, I think a woman can now smile on a billboard. I should know this, forgive me. But if you've seen a billboard with a woman smiling, let me know. Hmm. I don't know. What I've noticed is now you can have like on TV, you can have women with like a little bit of hair showing. Mm. And there was like zero hair whenever you... Don't go. jinx it. Oh, the, uh, oh, another interesting one is with television adverts as well. You can't sort of have a woman in on her own in the house. She's got to have a husband. There's got to be a man also in the house that used to be the case I, i'm really? not sure if that's still uh, the case um used to have to show family context all the time it's been so long since i've uh done this i'm a bit worried now whether how do you know if the man who's walking inside is, well, this is, is, is the is husband it. you've got to if he's there at 10 a.m definitely not the husband you know it's just i should also add at this point it's not just uh with women here it's like men as what well. men have to cover up up to the wrist uh with clothing 
Like I'm, I'm med- like because you more often than not will use a man as a as a model, but mm. just because you don't want the headache. Really, uh, you can't. So you, you don't. You don't have t-shirts. No, you can't God, have no. T-shirts. No. Really? Can't show someone's arms. Shorts, heaven forbid. No, no shorts. Uh, shorts. I yeah, no t-shirts. No, Got long really? sleeve. Covered up. Neck covered up as well. Like. At least one button open, maybe fine. Oh, um, sexy! But uh, no, no penis to, as well. No, no, seriously, like up to a. I'm, I'm now showing. No penis. How is much, fine. Shania? Yeah. I'm showing you how much wrist is allowed to be shown. Is that doing anything for you now? It, it, it's <laughs> hot. Surprisingly, how about now, it is. How about now? How about now? <laughs> Revealing a little bit more. How's oh my that? god! Is that doing anything for you? Yeah. 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 yeah Muhammad, you getting anything out of this? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. Cinema. Ah, yes. And I don't know that much about Iranian cinema, but I lived in India for almost four years. And it's fantastic because um, it's becoming more and more liberal. But what Bollywood did is they basically developed, they were like, okay, fine, we're not allowed to show anything. Mm. We're going to develop like an alternative language. And everyone just knows what it means. Like drinking a glass of milk means having sex. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Like you have like the man and the woman, they get married and then she drinks a glass of milk and then like she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like that's like, that's a symbolism. It's a, it's this whole language. It's fascinating. And I'm sure you have like, I mean, Iranian cinema is known for very creatively. I saw a little bit of a clip on a, on some sort of social media. I'm not sure, but it was a part of a movie. Pornhub. No, that's not. Is that social media? <laughs> I find it, is, it to it be very private <laughs> media, not very. I thought social. you can exchange direct messages with some of the. You can if you pay. I think. Oh, I'm not gonna pay. I was not aware of that. Should I tell me more about <laughs> what I can do on Pornhub? <laughs> no, but there was this. Like, I'm more of a you porn person myself. Oh, okay, ahead. okay. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna carry on with my own story. So there was this uh, clip of a movie, apparently, or a TV show, I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. There was this man and a woman that were in the car. And euphemism was used. Iranian movie, by the way. Hijab was a little bit loose, as you said, like mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of hair showing. So this gentleman was driving and the lady was saying, like, let me change the gear. And it was like, no, it's the traffic is heavy. Pull over so I can pull up the handbrake. And he was like, no, we're not there yet. And stuff like that. These Using all, like the, These are all euphemisms. Yeah, Maybe she like, just wanted to learn to drive. You and your dirty mind. God. Yeah. No, oh, seriously. Okay. Christ. Yeah. Well, actually, I wouldn't notice. What, it, are we turning if, into if Saudi Arabia here? Women are not allowed to drive. I wish we were. <laughs> it's amazing. Women don't talk there. Oh, can you imagine? Right? <laughs> I think that's a myth. No. Uh, no, women do talk there. Even in Saudi Arabia, women talk. Oh, God. Shana, you mentioned something about uh, the... (laughs) (laughs) I love how I don't even need to say something to Mohammed. (laughs) Girls, stay on topic. You know, in Iran, we we also show international television shows on the local channels. So it's always weird for me that, that you have to, so to speak, bust your balls to cover up and censor everything as an Iranian on the local channel. And yet, they'll show a satellite show of women, obviously, without headscarves. But they will blur out chesty areas, like really? for a low cut. They'll, they'll fluff. They'll have fluff. Uh, on <laughs> like chest no, hair? Like a, yeah, yeah. No, they'll, sen- they'll censor certain stuff. But, really? the, but the hair, obviously, no headscarves. And it's always weird for me. It's like, 
<laughs> like back to back. You've got headscarf woman and then, you know, in an advert and then it comes back to the show and there's a woman in a hospital. And and this was what I wanted to say. The There was a German sort of equivalent of ER, the sort mm-hmm. of uh, television show. And some woman clearly pregnant holding her stomach. I'm sure it was called Die Krankenschwester im Krankenhaus. Was, oh my God. No. <laughs> So, uh, hi, Mohammed's now They're high-fiving. Like, yeah. So, uh, this woman comes into the hospital. And I she's was just like, thinking, oh, like, oh. Nazis were really COVID-conscious. They wouldn't touch while they're high-fiving. She was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it all makes sense. It does. They're ahead of the curve. Yeah. That was it. Like, you know, anyway. Guys, so, uh, shut up. <laughs> so, this woman comes into the hospital. She's clearly pregnant. She's like, <laughs> Like this, and they're like, "Oh, what's wrong?" The translation, like, "Oh, what's wrong?" He's like, "Oh, my stomach hurts. I've got a stomach ache." Oh, quick, come here, <laughs> like this, and then like maybe you know, she had a lot of Mexican. It cuts to whatever other scenes happen, and then it comes back to the woman. She's holding a baby in her hand, now no longer clearly pregnant. Oh, is your stomach better now? And she's like, "Yeah," looking at the baby. Yeah, I feel so much better. Thanks ever so much for your help. Looking at the baby, and then walks out. Really? Like, what is going on here? Yeah. I've seen foreign films in the cinema as well, and the cutting is insane sometimes. Yeah, like when they show one scene, when it's two seconds of something happened in a room, nobody knows what happened. (laughs) Well, everybody knows what happened. But it really distorts the sort of progress of the film because sometimes really important things are relayed. I think the original film was was something like two hours, and it was down to like one hour or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Huge amount of the film cut out. Did it make any sense? Well, this is it. I couldn't even understand anything that was going on in that film. It was so cut. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that happens. <laughs> but uh, another angle to that is censorship related to, like, jobs that you've had. And I'm not sure you want to volunteer necessarily that per se, but no doubt in the occupation that you previously had, there was there's an expectation of a, a lot of censorship, even outside of that job. Funnily enough... Yes and no. Um, I was, you know, I I always made sure to maintain authenticity. Mm. So I think even when you do censor, I think it's important to just stay true to yourself. You know, Mm. I think, no, I I did. I mean, I I would obviously not, you know, take a delegation to a ministry and then start cursing. But um, it was never i think it really depends on uh, it depends on the topics you know i was involved in trade i was representing a very neutral country so there wasn't really much that needed to be that needed to be censored in in any way that you didn't need to be careful about anything um, is, uh, sorry to interrupt but is there like a sort of training program for shit you shouldn't be saying sort of uh there is media training program it's not shit you shouldn't be saying and i think this is really important because it's it's basically training for you to avoid someone from spinning your words into something they want you to say. Okay. Because, you know, nowadays, I mean, it's getting more and more now with social media and everyone having a mobile phone. But um, there is specific training and you can see it when you listen to professional politicians, to anyone who's had media training. You, you basically make sure that even like anything that you say, even certain words are not used so that it can't be edited afterwards. Interesting. Yeah. Are you using that now? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's really... Do you think, no, no, in all seriousness, like since we've been 
recording do do you think that some of the practices or some of the behavior you know you've been sort of inadvertently doing that or I think I am extremely loose with certain topics uh, I, I think I am uh, definitely careful with with others just mm. because not so not not because I'm worried about anything it's just there are certain opinions of mine that I don't think are useful yeah for the public platform so you know and I, I I think you know a lot of us are that way do you think that that has been something that is as time has passed become more the case less the case do you think the tolerance or the public ability to consume the things that you say you might restrict do you think it's uh, increasing decreasing about the same um i think it's definitely you know we we do have this phenomenon of the entitlement to offense everyone everyone has feels like I, I think everyone did get offended previously. People would get hurt. They just wouldn't say it. Yeah. And I think now it's coming back a bit with a vengeance. So mm. people are overdoing it a little bit. Uh, I'd actually like to hear your opinions because I think in the platform that I'm active in, I, you know, I am a woman with, I guess I'm half European, but I'm, I have a Middle Eastern background. So I think I, it, it really, unfortunately, also depends a lot on who says what yeah um so i think i can get away with a lot more than for example you hmm. uh, so i'd love to hear your thoughts about yes ah, interesting point there uh Mohammed, did you notice shania's media training come through then she's like interesting question i would like to know what you think about that first that's part of the training surely She's smiling like it might be. No, I just generally <laughs> no, care but, uh, about your opinion, oh, David. Well, somebody gives a shit. Finally. I didn't say darling. I said David. Okay. Um, Mohammed, actually, this uh, coming back to us on this subject, this was uh, something that we debated quite a lot before releasing our uh, previous episode. And because naturally now being involved in media and putting content out there uh, to people, Muhammad and I have a lot of discussions about what we're not going to say. And uh, Muhammad said before we were recording, it's probably about a half hour conversation we have with each episode as to what we're going to take out. Um, Muhammad's a lot looser with his words and a lot of the content that we edit out is mostly Muhammad saying something but I think he enjoys that <laughs> he edits the stuff so he creates the headache for himself but I'd be interested to know what you think Shania about a certain scenario that we had uh, previously uh, the name that somebody gave us uh, audio content about and our decision making after that do you want to go into this? Muhammad's looking nervous I think he just has a terrible cold no, I do have a terrible cold. I had, what? Well, yeah, it's getting better. Anyway. You look like <coughs> shit, Mohammed. <coughs> I always do. My mom says the same thing all no, the time. You have winter Actually, you look for... a little bit better than last time. I said. He looked like shit last for, time. Guys, um, for those of you who cannot see, Mohammed is currently sporting lovely winter fur. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. This is bear look. Mm. Mm. I like that. I like that. That's one. Anyway, uh, first of all, let it be known that nobody censors us. Not yet. We're doing everything we do on our own. So we choose what to say and what not to say. And uh, a lot of things that we say on the podcast while we're recording, then we're taking them out. That they, they don't really fall under self-censorship or censorship for that matter because we know that we're not going to use them anyway. So it's Well, I, like I do think there's a specific database of statements that David and Mohammed are keeping 
that could land all three of us in jail in any country in the world <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> yeah seriously like like yeah. let that be known and so uh, if you're <laughs> wondering what those are then, huh? like yeah i mean if and if you're wondering what those are those are usually normal conversations you hear everywhere in the world but in private that's why we take them out because those are private conversations not things it's, that it's, we intend joking, to put on the joking podcast banter. yeah 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 so we what we're doing is usually not putting it out there. It's not even censorship. We had this comment a while ago. Why the f*** do you say f*** and beep over it? That's, that's stupid. Why do you keep censoring yourself if you need to censor yourself? Why do you even say that? Mm. The point is that we're not censoring it. We're just beeping them out, those words. Which so it's, it's, I think it's, for two reasons we do that, though, Mohammed. if I can just explain about that. Mm. One, my problem with that is I don't want Apple to have a reason to take us off Although there's a countless other reasons they would they probably would. take us off. Yeah. Uh, but other than that. But those are the that falls into explicit content and it mm -hmm. adds a badge. And then it, it, we fall into certain restrictions that are sort of on restrictions the, that are not necessarily imposed anywhere, but it just like puts us in the category that is not suggested for families, for people who are sensitive to language, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We just beep them out. Everybody knows what we're saying. Mm -hmm. yeah. Almost everybody. Yeah, exactly. And and the people who don't know, probably they're like minors or idiots. In a weird way, as far as content is concerned, it seems maybe potentially a little bit more saucy than it is. Because you listen to most podcasts of the very casual conversation nature. Mm. They'll be effing and blinding throughout it. No big deal. But when we do it, because it's beeped out, it almost sounds like it's like, oh, it's more important. You know what I mean? If we didn't do it, mm -hmm. people wouldn't notice it as much. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, we've not consciously or we've not necessarily discussed that. But I think, at least from my point of view, I'm not sure if you agree, but there is a little bit of that. Yeah, because it, it makes uh, your I sentence can, more, I can take you listen to it more. all of those words out, almost all of them out without harming the content. Yeah. But we choose to beep over them Yeah. in order not to... Partly in order not to censor ourselves. Mm. But there are points, just like the last episode, we do censor ourselves. Yeah, tell us that story. Or our uh, audiences or the people who take part in our podcast. In the last uh, episode, we talked about Iranian names mm -hmm. and whether or not Iranians were, were happy with their names. We got stories from people who had to change their names because they immigrated. Monica, I think, explained why she had to change her name. For a totally different reason, her sister had to change her name. Her sister's name is Negar. Maybe explain what Negar means in Farsi. This is just the top result on Wikipedia. Hmm. Negar is a feminine given name of Persian origin, meaning sweetheart, idol, or beloved. It also means pattern and painting. Hmm. And it's a very beautiful name. Yeah. So it's a very beautiful and very common yeah. name. But it sounds very close to the bastardization of the word Negro, nigger, with R in the end. The use of it is really frowned upon. Yeah. So Muhammad and I had a lot of conversation after recording and mm -hmm. while editing as to what to do about that. Mm -hmm. Because when Monica was describing the story, she said, nigger. Personally, I don't think that that should necessarily be offensive to anyone. Her intention Mm -hmm. wasn't to offend anyone it was just to explain the scenario mm -hmm. i myself have either paraphrased or used lyrics in songs and said these things and there's a bit of contention here as to whether people are going to get upset by that word or not 
and it's really hard to backtrack into the amazing way that we said it last time <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, well, the recording failed. This is where like comedy has a, a sort of issue with this at the moment where comedy's sort of butting up against this woke culture mm-hmm. uh, where people are getting... People are either self-censoring or comedy is censoring out or cancelling people using offensive mm. or what are seen as uh, offensive terms. Yeah. And uh, the idea in comedy is that it's uh, it should only ever be about the intention, you know. And mm. they say, look, you know, we only ever punch up. It's not about punching down the term they use in comedy. But yeah, that, that sort of domain is shifting and cancel culture seems to be uh, increasing. There's what is known as the uh, Overton window the acceptable area of conversation is being reduced slightly here. Uh, as I say, comedians see this as as. Um, uh, yeah, well, can I can I butt in here while you struggle for words? <laughs> I think I mean you mentioned one thing. Um, what window was it? What's the name? Overton window. Yes, the Overton window. But I think there's two phenomena here. One is you know the what's growing is the perceived right the right to be offended. And I'm not going to say that's a bad thing or a good thing uh, for now. And on the other hand, you mentioned a word which I think is important. It's intention. And I think that's where the fine line is because a lot of times people have good intention, but they just, they're just not aware yeah. of an offense they're causing. And I think what you have to think about is when something happens in that moment, it's not just what's happening in that moment. There's usually a long history of yeah. what happened before that. And I have a good example because we were just, um, uh, before we started the podcast, we were sitting here and uh, David was manspreading on the sofa. <laughs> For those that don't know, a manspread is when a gentleman simply opens his legs whilst sat down, probably to accommodate family jewels. Or probably to upset somebody. Who knows? Intention. See? There you Mm. go. And we were talking about microaggressions. And I could see that, you know, David and Mohammed were kind of, um, you know, like looking down. And, you know, I I did hear the word snowflake mentioned occasionally. And for those of you who don't know, um, David and Mohammed are basically the slightly more good-looking versions of the redneck uncles at Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, good thank one you. To yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I think the, the, the point about intention is when you're sitting there on the couch with your jewels out, you might not even... They weren't know. out. Or were <laughs> they? <They're> not, <laughs> well, <laughs> now, I'm, now I probably was upsetting. So. You should check your tailor every once in a while. We should visit your tailor every once in a while. Um, you And that's the whole thing is maybe you're completely unaware of it, but that unawareness in, self, in itself might be a form of entitlement that you don't even know exists. You know, mm-hmm. like I might be looking at you thinking, God, like my entire childhood, it was my sole dream to sit like that. And I was told not to do it. And all those childhood memories of repressed manspreading return to me and I want to punch you in the nuts that are so beautifully exposed in that moment. So, you know, I think what's important is as an outsider, sometimes it's just impossible for you to understand what the history behind a word is for someone else. And you can't. And I think what's really important for, you know, um, 
these wonderful redneck uncles like you is to just be tolerant and gay. Hey, you know, there might be some more weight behind this for someone else than sure. I'm assigning. But it's difficult, as you're saying, if you don't know, then... Well, if you don't know, then it's probably best to just be on the safe side and not be entitled about it. David. Going back to the point of us being the slightly better looking uh, redneck uncles around the dinner table at Thanksgiving, um, should I make an interesting point? Because I would say, and Mohammed, tell me if this is going to upset you, but we kind of have a slight disposition of agitating mm. in social arrangements. Mm-hmm. It's uh, called kerm in Farsi. Kerm yeah. I've got a worm inside me. Uh, and this is something I often hear from my English friends who are like, oh, here he goes. David's going off on one and, and yeah, you know, mm. and it, it sometimes is about making a point to make a point. Um, and uh, I would hope for yeah, well. my dear friends out there that I can calm that down a little bit. But um, where I find this has changed in sort of contemporary culture more so these days is there's, there's a bit of push in the direction of the snowflakes, as you said, I said, are sort of coming out with uh, prescribed speech as in, it's a power game, is what I, I worry about. Because there was a case with uh, Jordan Peterson, where in Canada he's one uh, one of the lead professor at Toronto University for psychology. It was just a professor. In my mind, he's the lead professor because he was on YouTube. It's like, okay, whatever. yeah. So there, so he fought back a, a legal case, if I'm not mistaken, about compelled speech, hmm. and this became a sort of the counterpoise or the pushback to what is now kind of termed as woke culture, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and then has now progressed on to what seems to be cancel culture. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that probably for people like Mohammed and I, with a slight disposition, or as you put it, kerm, mm-hmm. uh, we, we have kerm, this kind of uh, fertile ground for us to, to sort of move forward. And yeah, and I'll agree, yeah, maybe in, in the same way, we're being overly sensitive on the other way. Mm-hmm. But there's a bit of a battle. The the yeah, but you know, like when you say now you have prescriptions on what to say and how to behave, the first thing I think of is you know when like when the whole Me Too movement happened, mm. and uh, you know I think it was I think it was around the Harvey Weinstein case, and suddenly you had usually middle-aged white men in a corporate setting coming out and saying like, well, now I don't know how to behave anymore. And now I don't know, am I allowed to shake a woman's hand? And am I allowed to like sit in a room with a woman alone? And it's just like, first of all, shut the fuck up. And second of all, that's where it comes from, I think, where a lot of people go, okay, if you don't know what to do, if you, if, if you actually say you don't know how to behave, let us give you guidelines. Um, and they then become rules. And then it's like, oh, so now I'm not allowed to open a door anymore for a woman. And it's like, well, yeah, if you're asking so stupidly and if you don't have, you know, if you don't have the empathy and the judgment to decide for yourself, then yes. Ooh, I see Mohammed kind of seething a little bit. No, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious at the moment. I'm, I'm actually... What, what's Mohammed got? <laughs> yeah. No, but basically what I'm saying, we are, again, like moving away from the subject of self-censorship. Mm-hmm. But my question is that who's entitled to make those rules rules? Mm-hmm. The thing is, they're not rule like it's not like they're not official they rules. They are. They are becoming official de facto rules official in, rules. In yes, institutions, workplaces, and Shania. I, I think I'm a little bit closer in your direction with this. Is where I I would say like yeah, just 
try not to be a c- basically in mm. in most cases but as i say yeah when i push back it's like it's like no don't push me in the don't you're being a c- I, I think i think you have a you have a very valid point and i think there's a lot of people out there that are genuinely that genuinely don't know how not to be a c- um and they're they're hurt because suddenly they're being stamped off as racist they're being stamped off as assholes as sexist and they don't want to be those things and they don't think they are those things and then there's a lot of pain and anger uh that comes c- comes back out um and i think there's there's a bit of a push and pull here like you hear this so often you're like i'm not racist like why are you making me sound racist i'm not sexist you know mm. it's like okay but like move away from that and look objectively at what you're you're doing or you're saying or what you don't know and learn from that i think that's the only thing and coming back to what you said about rules and who makes the rules i do completely agree with you that i think there's a bit of a reverse witch hunt happening at the moment um i think it's the same with every revolutions it never becomes a balancing act the scale is always tilted in one side um for in this case for centuries and now it's tilting back i completely agree with you that mm. it's far from the norm mm. um and there's probably a lot of people who are going to say you know what you've been man spreading your white balls for centuries now you know like mm. buckle up it's our turn you do realize how that circles back though right absolutely so yeah. sexism checked racism checked what do you mean by checked now men are suppressed let's say i mean it can't get there it has mm-hmm. gone in there and well, now I, you're yeah. white you're not allowed to talk you're straight you're not allowed to talk about certain things these stuff happen mm-hmm. and the thing is that uh, at some points I, i wonder am i white have i ever had a white privilege i mean The thing that off the record, like that didn't go on the record because of the malfunction. You mm-hmm. basically called him white and me an Islamist terrorist. Oh yeah. So um, <laughs> that's the case. I mean, sometimes I come. I'm, I'm an Islamist terrorist. Yeah. Until I I say like, F- it, then I'm white. Mm, interesting. The thing is that like, but I think we that's grew how up it is. learning. And, and how does it make you feel? That's the interesting part. How does it make you feel when feel someone like calls you? Well, Seriously, like a, like an Islamist terrorist? No. Or a white privileged? <laughs> when you or, like when you like say a, when you say, you know, I'm an Islamist terrorist until mm-hmm. I say something and then I'm white. There's mm-hmm. obviously some reaction in you. It's uh, No, I wonder. No, you wonder but like and but that's how it feels to be stamped off and it doesn't feel good. Exactly. I mean, and no, I it doesn't it, it doesn't feel anything because growing up, we learn stuff along the lines of sticks and stone break my bones but words cannot hurt me. Mhm. But it's, I mean, Words I think what you'll agree is that being classified as something mm-hmm. and I have is been not a positive, not a positive experience. Uh, well, sometimes it was not really pleasant, but do I have to shut everybody up when they say something or when they call me something or they classify me as something? Because like by the virtue of being here, I'm classified as something anyway. Oh, now we like getting into deep philosophical and psychological discussion you started it where do i end and where do you begin mohammed but i i I have a story actually i have a story that um impacted me very deeply back then it was about two years ago and a friend of mine was visiting me from australia and we were you know 
we'd spent a wonderful day. I was living in Vienna at the time. We'd gone, you know, sightseeing and we went to a bar and we sat down and we had a drink. Uh, and we, I, I started addressing white privilege because I think being in Australia, being posted in Australia as an Austrian diplomat with a half Iranian background, mm-hmm. um, it was interesting. There were a lot of times when I had, you know, I, I would deal with a lot of business people, with a lot of lawyers and bankers. And not once, it happened more than once, where I would have, you know, the middle-aged Australian white man tell me how happy I must be and how lucky I must be to be working in Australia because if I were in Iran, I would never have been able to have this job, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Yeah, very, very, very normal. Like, I was not the only person to have had that conversation. And and this is not the first time it's happened. Even in Europe, people are like, God, you must be so glad to be out of there. And I think part of why I moved back is in protest to all those people, but that's another topic. Um, So we were talking about white male privilege. And the interesting thing was that this friend of mine, who was now a very successful and wealthy investment banker, was not of a wealthy family. He had grown up in a neighborhood where he had gone to school with a lot of Aboriginal Australians. And when I told him that he has he was a privileged white man, he got so offended that he actually got up and left the bar and like went and stayed in a hotel and left the next day. And we never spoke again. And it was impossible for me to explain to him because, you know, in his mind, he was like, oh, but I, I, um, you know, I, I worked my way up and, and I managed to get into a really good school and then I worked through it and I paid for the school and then I managed to get into a really good law firm or I don't know, like bank or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but what you don't understand is if you had not been white, would you have gotten into that school? Would you have gotten into that law firm? You know, and in this specific case in Australia, back in that day, the answer would have been, I'm not saying 100% no, but the answer would have been his chances of getting there were like remarkably less if he hadn't been a white male. And the thing is, no one's trying to take anything away from the hard work that this person has done. But that still doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge that you were lucky. The same way that I acknowledge that, yes, I worked very hard for a lot of things that I've achieved. But, you know, I was privileged to be able to study abroad, to be able to grow up with multiple languages, to be able to have the parents that I have had. So I think the the whole idea is no one's taking anything away from anyone else. I think what all this woke culture has caused is that there's a platform for mm-hmm. people who never thought they have the power to address certain things. And you may be, like, it's the same thing with Me Too. Like, I was once roped into a Me Too thing, and I was like, I always felt like I can kick someone in the balls if they make an you know, untoward mm-hmm. move. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, let's put that aside. There's a lot of people that would have never had the confidence to address something if it hurt them. And it's giving, you know, laws or rules, as you just complained about them earlier, they're always made for the weakest members like you and i we don't maybe don't need them it's a really tricky subject and i'm I'm actually very nervous to discuss it and you mentioned about me too you make a really good point a lot of people who wouldn't have been brave enough to come out now have a platform not only that they have the support or the mechanism or the framework to be able to do that and still 
there's a lot of people that still with that in place still wouldn't come forward mm-hmm. i imagine but yeah the breaking down of self-censorship because these people were like okay this would have happened to me in the workplace and i'm upset by that they would have been self-censoring uh to not tell anyone about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um so yeah i think you know to its to its credit here the breaking down or the overton window in this context in this nation and this scenario has shifted in favor of net gain for humanity i would say Mm -hmm. can i just add something which i think is really important the reason that you don't get offended when someone makes racist jokes the reason that i don't feel abused when someone tries to make a move on me because because we feel powerful enough to react Mm. if we want to I've done this. Like I've kicked guys in the nuts. I've been in cars with guys after dinner where they've like tried to do something. And I've just been like, listen, like this is not happening. And I knew that I would have literally like physically punched the guy if he would have still tried. And then he didn't. In those scenarios, we have the power. And we and when you have that, when you have that um, control in your life, you forget what it's like to not have it. Yeah. And to feel violated in that context. And I think that's really the one thing that you always have to remember is when we don't understand certain things or when we go like, yeah, I'm cool with that. I don't care about that. Look at him. He's a drunk guy at a bar making racist jokes. We have power. We don't care about those people. But if you're if if that really gets to you and you feel like you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Then then that's where you need a framework to protect you and that's why it's coming back with such violence is because okay, yeah I, th- I think conversely the is the pushback as, yep. as we said earlier and now it's like there are means by which you can assert a power using technology audience certain things exactly. that are now in 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 place i think uh it, i think it's where i think the joke is online it's like where the hall monitor has now found their place prefect as we would call them in england it's the nerd at school that took the position given to them at school to be the guardian of the uh, hallway so that the kids are outside of the school when playtime was happening okay and it gave them a sense of sort of power but they were always like the nobodies but they were empowered by the system uh, or the structure yeah i think you're making me look a lot more positively about this now because because uh, i think yeah the pendulum to a degree is shifted to a way and i think yeah there's hopefully if institutional structural changes are not so rigidly in in place that that we can find a comfortable middle ground and all learn from this am i sounding all airy fairy all of a sudden did i like yeah soften a white man is there something going on under the (laughs) table that i'm not seeing because like shift it (laughs) like all of a sudden um, really i i do agree with you that it's you know it's a pendulum that swings and i don't know when it's gonna kind of balance off in the middle um and um yeah i mean honestly suck it up bitches (laughs) (laughs) ladies can i can i get us towards uh the erexit direction Mm -hmm. at least so let's bring this to locally to iranians would you say that we self-censor more or less as iranians i think we self-censor a lot it has nothing to do with like the political or religious background i think as a society unfortunately the roles we play are much more elaborate than the roles people play in other countries at least in western countries iranians would kind of have three versions of themselves 
really? of which every area would have a different level of self-censorship. So you'd have your person at home. I am this person at home. So how you present yourself to your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Iranians really self-censor around their parents, I would say. Yeah. To be able to, because they, they uh, cohabit, I would say, more than Western uh, places. Yeah. So uh, the type of things you let your mother know or father know or the, your behavior around in the home is self-censored in a certain way. Then outside your circles, uh, out you go to a coffee shop or whatever, it's a little bit more expanded. And then somewhere in between would be the online presence because Iranians seem to be, uh, contrary to the laws of the land, very expressive and don't censor themselves, I would say, on social media. But don't you think that applies to every other country? You have your parent persona, you have your friend persona, and then you have your online persona. But not to the degree that I would say in Iran we do those really? things. No? I don't know. I'm going to withhold everything I was going to say. I'm going to no, self-censor like, out of decency. Oh, come on. We all know you're not fear. a decent person. I can't have fears. Yeah. You seem like a very capable person in terms of physical violence. <laughs> oh, I haven't hurt anyone in a long time. There you go. Physically. More reason for me to be decent. Aww. Uh, ladies, what are we missing about self-censorship and Iran at this point? I think we've missed a ton. It's a really huge subject, I I think. And we're not really doing it justice. Uh, so we're missing... And... Uh, oh. Mm. Also... Yeah. Mm. Oh. Uh, and of course, we we decided that we're not going to talk about. Yeah, yeah no, I yeah, would be yeah, that, no. can't can't talk about. No, yeah. God, what would your mom say if you started talking about? She would say you're <laughs> you being me, not you. <laughs> I know she doesn't know you. I know, mm. but she even though she doesn't know me, she likes me more than you. She would love you. <laughs> Are you proposing? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a lesbian. So, um, <laughs> Persian girl. I know, on. I know. I was, exactly. I was thinking of a reply, and it you're involved, fantasizing it, it, it about it, you and I being lesbians it together. Involved, <laughs> it involved the strap on, and I was like, I'm just not gonna say strap on. Yeah. Strap on. I said it. Yeah. In some way, towards a conclusion, I would like to say, having a podcast, I, I think I've realized actually how much freedom of expression we actually do have. I think we don't self-edit that much or self. No. Not really. Yeah. Not um, to the extent we thought we would have to. I think what the three of us have in common is the absolute privilege of never having to abandon ourselves in any scenario. Like, mm. not cursing, meh. But I don't think any of us have ever had to pretend to be someone we're not. I've never had to. You know, you asked professionally earlier. Yeah. Or when you have, it was like you knew what it was and you knew it was for it a purpose. wore the hat for half a day. But, you know, yeah. You were never stuck in a situation, in a long-term situation, where you felt like you couldn't be yourself. Yeah, you're right. And, and that's a huge privilege. It's a huge privilege. And I think that, by definition, gives us the lack of understanding of what it feels like to be offended. So any, uh, that was great, Shanae, great words of wisdom. I'm liking this. I'm, uh, I'm liking the sort of counterpoise that we're having here, which was precisely why we wanted Shanae to come in, and weigh in on this matter. Because mm. we do have a slight, you know, difference of disposition. Yeah. Uh, we uh, kept it civil. It was very civil. And I got to say, yeah, 
I did like our conversation, although I absolutely despised it. But anyway, mm. I'm going to self-censor and say I loved it. Thank you, Shanai, for being with us. Yeah, I again. love you too, Mohammed. Thank you Vera. so much. Yeah. I love you, man. Vera. اختیار داری. Inshallah که کارتون درست شه بری خارج. Inshallah که زود زن بگیریم بچه دار بشیم. Inshallah. thank you once again for joining us on this episode. Yeah. As always, we look forward to having you back soon. One of us probably a little bit more than the other. Define soon. <laughs> yeah, I think we need a couple of weeks after this. One. Yeah, yeah, at least <laughs> a lot of separation. Yeah. So, thank you again for being here. COVID high five. Up, Mohammed. Let's go. Okay, bye. 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 Bye.